Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have Charlie Johnson. So most of you should know of him or have probably heard of him in some capacity. So you have your own podcast, you're uh, an Instagrammer, online coach, YouTuber, anything else that I need to add in there? Uh, I got a lot listed of in, yeah, I got listed in Forbes top three coaches in the world. I was actually the number one fitness coach. That's quite cool. Been in men's health, muscle fitness, all that sort of stuff. Um, generally, I was a fat kid when I was younger, I used to work in a corporate nine to five. So I understand a lot of the pain points that your audience has. And even you said to me before coming on this podcast, like your uh, life looks pretty fun. It's like, yeah, I have quite a, a varied and random weird lifestyle now. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about is in terms of how you can achieve results. And I actually just posted this on my Instagram, actually a photo of like the fat loss I've achieved whilst traveling, skiing and pissing around and eating what I want. Yeah. I've lost a ton of body fat whilst enjoying myself. And those are two things that a lot of people don't think you can do. Yeah, definitely. I only had that conversation this morning with a client who's, you know, drinking every weekend and kind of feeling a bit bad about it. And I'm like, that should be all part of it if you're doing it right. Um, so when the first question I have really is like, when you started out, did you have any like vision of where you'd be now? Or like, did you think that, you know, was it like just, okay, I'm going to do this for this many years and get to this place? Or has it just been like a bit of a roller coaster? And uh life is a constant roller coaster every single day so there's there's highs the lows and i think the this was always the vision of what i wanted and it was to try and have as much impact and help as many people as possible so my goal is to transform 100,000 lives by 2030 so we've got eight years to go um so that's the goal is to have as much impact as i can at scale and help as many people as i can because what happens from that is the spider web effect and you'll know in terms of like your audience, anyone listening or any clients you have, it's like when you achieve like world-class results for someone, some like a guy drops like 20 kilos of body fat, his family like, holy shit, how have you done this? Yeah. And then it inspires everyone else around them to make better choices. And that's how like you can have impact, I can have impact to people we don't even know and never even met through other people. And that and like essentially is my end objective is like, how can I have a positive impact on people? Because I think for me being overweight when I was younger, I have um maybe like psychological skeletons in my closet in terms of wanting to help people in terms of an education yeah. point of view so that they don't go through what I went through maybe yeah I completely relate to that as well because I wasn't a fat kid as such but I was like a depressed kid so like never really happy thought that was normal so my mission is very similar it's like I want to help as many people feel as happy as they can while like achieving weight loss as well um so we'll just get straight into like getting ready for sh for summer because i think that's your your main area of expertise going off the name of your podcast and everything so what are some of the most like common mistakes you'll see uh people f you know that are focusing on losing weight for the summer so what kind of mistakes come up time um, and time again so one of the things i think there's a couple of different ways you can look at this number one i think is people look at the wrong take the wrong perspective and view of things so what I mean by that is people look at the micro, not the macro. So they zoom in too much into like, what type of creatine should I be drinking? Or what type of pre-workout? What type of protein powder? It doesn't really fucking matter. Like yeah. that, like those are looking at really small nuances. And what sorry, and what you want to do is actually zoom out and look at the macro, or like the bigger picture of what you're doing overall. And the best perspective of that is looking at like calorie intake and training and cardio. So instead of like looking at okay. Monday to Friday, I fucking nailed my training and nutrition and I was in a big calorie deficit. I did everything perfectly. Saturday, Sunday, I went absolutely mental and I got pissed and I ate 5,000 calories each day. And then Monday, you wake up really guilty and you're really inflamed, really bloated. 
And then you starve yourself for five days, you get back into that cycle. And that's what most people tend to do in terms of when it comes to trying to get in shape for summer. And the problem is that that has two really negative effects. One, you get a really bad credit debit uh, effect in terms of your mentality with food. So you think that when you eat something, you have to automatically try and burn it off, which isn't necessarily too true. And the second thing I would say that's really bad in terms of that is that you then don't really actually get to fuel your body correctly during the week. And you're creating huge amounts of hunger for the end of the week, almost setting yourself up for success, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. for failure. So you're like, by Friday, you're chomping at the bit to eat the world. And guess what? As soon as it's like Friday night rolls around, you're off to the races. And then you get this fuck it mentality where you've had, um, you've had one beer, so you have 10, or you've had one slice of pizza, so you eat two pizzas. And I think that's the big thing people need to be really careful of is um, zooming in too much and trying to focus too much on the small nuances rather than looking at the big picture of things. And like tying into the big picture things and focusing on the macro, not the micro, I think what's important for people to understand is that the longer the period you do give yourself to lose body fat, the better the results you're going to get. Because if you try and push the body to lose body fat very quickly, same as to build muscle mass very quickly, it will push back. It doesn't like being aggressively put into a big calorie deficit. Um, and what happens is, okay, some people can do that and they might have like really strong mental fortitude and they don't give a shit and they'll eat a thousand calories a day for eight weeks and they'll get shredded. Uh, that's cool. But for 95% of people, that's not going to work because it's like they'll implode. And also what happens is it sets them up for failure after that short diet phase because they'll rebound super hard which is why what we do is we work in like a four phase approach in terms of um, the way we set up nutrition and training. So at the beginning, we focus on like a priming phase where we focus on people, get people into the right habits and thinking about the habits and actions you would take on a daily basis to be looking shredded in the summer. And the phase two would be pushing more into the aggressive fat loss phase. And then phase three would be when we start to achieve the results we're looking for, we then come into reverse dieting and trying to balance out hormones and metabolism. And then eventually go into performance phase, maybe after the summer, once people are looking, looking to build muscle and like improve their physique from their own ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like how you have that in there as well, because I was going to ask about, like, I guess you see a lot of coaches and just in general, like people pushing like progress photos and before and afters, and that's cool and that sells. But where's the person after they've lost the weight, you know, and how do you sustain that? So I guess that reverse diet is so important. Um, but how, how do you kind of ensure that? you know, people sustain results. I know it's not like, you're not going to get a hundred percent of people sustaining results. There's always going to be a few. Um, but what do you do to kind of try to ensure that someone who's lost weight coming up to summer is actually in a position then to maintain a level that's healthy and manageable for them rather than ending up in a worse position? Um, so for anyone who's followed me for a while, we know I like obviously traveling. I like going out and eating like a delinquent. I like food. I like all this sort of stuff. Um, which is why one of the big things that we factor into nutrition uh, and there's a saying that I really like, and it's, if it's not sustainable, it's not going to be attainable. And one thing I want anyone listening to think about, if you haven't done this before, is you only need to do one big diet and one transformation to completely change your life. And that's hundred percent true. Cause once you've done that big, big like push, you should then only be like six to eight weeks to being in a really good condition again, providing you do everything correctly. Now, how I effectively look to try and make things sustainable would be from a couple of different approaches. Um, and I'm not going to slag off anyone who likes these two things, but um, one ketogenic diets are bullshit. No one will be able to stick to like, 
99% people aren't going to stick to it. And it, are you, are you never going to eat carbohydrate again? Like it's my first question. People are like, Oh, I like carbs. So I was like, that's not yeah. going to work for you. Yeah. Um, secondly, I have huge, uh, ethical respect for people doing it. And I would like to do it from an ethical point of view, but vegan diets and plant-based diets aren't optimal for body composition due to the lack of ability in terms to have a full amino acid profile. And also because you can't get a decent vegan protein source other than living with protein powders, which sort of defeats the purpose, um, which is uh, high protein, low carb or low fat. They have to have pretty much all of them and it just doesn't really work very well from body composition point of view. Um, so those two diets would be two things that a lot of people get polarized and lured into which I would suggest not to do. Now, from a sustainable point of view, what I would suggest people do, and this is what we do, is uh, we have something we call the free meal approach, where every weekend you can go out and you can have one meal where you can have whatever you want. So, like, And I would always recommend this is in the evening, so it's the last meal of the day. And the reason why is because if you go out, if you go for breakfast, and some in Canada right now, if I went to IHOP and I ate a shitload of pancakes at 9 a.m., come like one o'clock when I'm supposed to eat lunchtime, I'm probably not going to want to eat like chicken and rice or vegetables or something healthy. Yeah. I'm probably going to want to eat shit food again. Whereas if you have that as your last meal at the end of the day, you can then go to bed and the next day is like wiping the slate clean. So that's one big thing I really recommend for people. Uh, we just give them some vague control in terms of like have self-respect yourself in terms of when you're eating. Don't eat so like you're going to explode. Have like a three course meal if you want don't be a dick about it and just think about being vaguely sensible. And I would always say to people, try not to mix high carb, high fat meals. So things like pizza would be a really poor option because that's a high carb, high fat meal, which is going to be more likely to store as body fat. Whereas if you would have something like sushi, which is high protein, high carb, less of an issue. If you can have something like steak and fries, less of an issue perhaps. So those would be the sort of things we would look at in terms of giving people sustainability and also being able to be social and eat out and then uh, and enjoying life and giving them something to look forward to at the end of the week. And then secondly, um, a big thing I'm a fan of is very fast acting carbohydrates after workouts. So um, one of the weird things that people think is bizarre when we first start doing it with them is uh, giving people like children cereal after training. So things like Cocoa Pops lucky charms rice krispies whatever you want to eat you can have any cereal you want providing it's under four percent fat per 100 grams uh, it's under four grams fat per 100 grams so four percent or less of fat um and the reason we do that is because it's very fast acting carbohydrates very easy to digest and it also gives you like a sweet treat which can then be enough to kind of create kill any cravings in terms of uh sweet cravings for people who have a sweet tooth so a lot of people have a sweet tooth and it gives them something to look forward to at the end of the workout so those would be two factors I, I would suggest people listening to this maybe try and they work really well. Obviously, the, the important thing is, say, for example, the carbohydrate point of view um, with cereal is devil's in the dose. So obviously, if you have if you're supposed to have 50 grams and you have 500 grams, that's going to cause a problem. Um, but providing you have the macros right, you can like I was competing a couple of years ago eating like cereal every day, basically. So like you can get completely shredded out your mind doing that. No problem at all. Yeah, as long as you kind of factor it in, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, what are like three, say, big misconceptions then that people have around achieving like their dream body? So one of the things I would say my superpower is breaking people's limiting beliefs. because, And it's the same for myself. For like, for me to achieve what I want to achieve in life, I have my own limiting beliefs. I have self-doubts. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, 
and anyone who um, is successful, you look look up to, will have the same thing. No matter who it is, and the comparison syndrome, they just compare themselves to bigger and better people. If that makes sense, even from different industries. So even people like Cristiano Ronaldo might not say it, but he probably has inferiority to someone like Elon Musk, for example. Mm. Um, it's just a different kind of thing. So three reasons why people can't do it is one, they don't have belief that they can do it, um, which is why when they come and work with a coach like me or you, we're like, we've transformed like 8,000 clients or something so far. Like, and, and this is a really good example of an analogy to give to people. It's like, if you were gonna go to have heart surgery and you went to a heart surgeon who's done it 10,000 times, do you think you're gonna get success or you're gonna get breast surgery or something? Chances are you probably you'd be you'd be very confident. Or if you're going to go to someone who's never done it before, so like you're doing it on your own, you're going to do open heart surgery on yourself. How confident would you be in that respect? And that's how like, and I just like pose that question with people because that's what happens when you go and work with the coach because you're like, Charlie knows what he's doing. As long as I just fucking do what I'm told to do and execute on this and give him feedback, I will then get results. So that removes one big thing, which is people's belief that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> and I think that leads into the second point, which is. People think it's a massive fucking workload to get in really good shape. Now, for 95% of people, they don't want to look like they're fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. They don't want to look like... And they're not going to look like him, as he says, anyway. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Never so, like, like me. Yeah, so, like, what you want to focus on is being the greatest version of yourself. And that's relative to what you actually want. So, for most guys and girls, is they want to drop maybe 20 pounds of body fat in, say, 20 weeks, for example, 16, 20 weeks, easy. And like, oh, I don't want to be doing two hours in the gym every day. That's fine. For a lot of people, you can lose like two pounds a week of body fat without even going to the gym, just going for a walk every day for an hour, like outdoors with your kids, with your partner and controlling your nutrition. So again, that's removing like second limiting belief is that I hate the gym. I've got to spend all my life doing, working out or whatever. And I think number three, which we've already sort of touched upon is that I don't want to eat chicken and broccoli for the rest of my life. I don't want to have to never eat carbohydrate again. I really like bread. I like going out for dinner. It's like, you can have these things, but they just have to be factored in in the right amounts at the right times. And you have to learn self-awareness and self-control with guidance to understand when it's okay to have the bread, when it's okay to go and have the pancakes, when you can have the cereal and understand roughly how much. And the big thing that I'm a big believer in is like teaching core principles in terms of fat loss and training that you then know intuitively in terms of um, how to eat on the go and how to make the best informed decisions because I think you'll see this as well and I had this with one of my clients this week he was like oh I've been really busy with work and I've had loads of social stuff and I end up eating like pizza and all shit I was like so you went to a restaurant where they had steak and you chose pizza and I was like do you think that was the best choice you could have made and he was like I get your point I was like, there's always a better and a worst case scenario. And it's just about learning these core principles in terms of food choices. That's, that's really, really important. So I know I've gone a bit off topic, but those are the three things I would look at in terms of removing someone's limiting beliefs by having a coach who's done it like thousands of times. Um, secondly, is you don't have to spend your life in the gym. You don't even have to weight train if you don't want, because most people just want to lose body fat. And number three is you can have your cake and eat it, but you just need to know how much of the cake, when, and and learn some self-awareness about that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what would you say if someone was like, you know, let's say, for example, they loved pizza and they were like, I want pizza every single weekend while trying uh, to lose that. Yeah. You, you could do that 100%. I, it's, again, there's this versus what's optimal versus what's practical. So like, yeah. Okay, I'll give you a great example. Anyone who's followed me on Instagram, 
I fucking love cheesecake. I just moved to Dubai. The cheesecake factory, there's loads of them. I could walk to one in like 30 minutes. And I actually walked there and back once because I can burn off some of it. Um, and that's high, that's, that's high fat and high carbs. It's like I'm completely contradicting myself. But again, these are principles. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to eat a cheesecake again. It means the majority of the time, like that 80-20 thing, 75% of the time, I would just have like steak and chips and sushi and stuff like that. And every now and then I'm going to go out and maybe have cheesecake at the weekend. Yeah. It doesn't mean I do it every weekend. But there's no reason if someone like absolutely loves pizza and I've got a client who uh, she's getting ready for a photo shoot here in Canada in 12 weeks time. And her favorite thing is every weekend she has a pizza with her husband. It's like, that's fine. We can factor that in. It's almost easier and actually in some respects if someone has something like that that's very consistent. So like people in the UK love Domino's pizza. I really like it. That makes me feel horrendous. The Texas barbecue is awesome though. But yeah. um, um, if you were going to have the same thing every weekend, it actually makes it fairly easy in some respects, like nutritionally program around that because you can make adjustments as you go because you know, okay, this is what's happening at the weekend. We can then adjust and adjust and adjust as you go if it makes sense. So it's not a problem. For sure. Yeah, and I think it depends. Uh, Obviously, it depends on the client, but like if someone's trying to get like shredded or as lean as possible, then yeah, pizza is probably going to cause quite a lot of inflammation and stuff like that. And especially the timing, as you said, as well, it's going to make a difference. But something I see with people is that just in them knowing, okay, I can have pizza, they're not going to be like, you know, craving it as much. Like, no, I can have it when I want. And then they actually want it less as a result, you know. And I also think what's really powerful for people, and like I used to have a really bad relationship with food, mm. and I, I clocked this. I actually put it on my Instagram story maybe a year or two ago is I went to the Cheesecake Factory, and for anyone who's a Cheesecake Factory nut will know the Oreo Extreme Cheesecake is the, the goat. I ordered, I think, something shit, it's like red velvet or something. And I had like two spoonfuls of it, and I was like, this is just not good. And I was like, you know what, I'm not eating this, because I'm, eat- I'm not wasting 1,500 calories on something I don't really like, so I just didn't eat it. And for me, I was like, you know what, that's, that's like a big self-awareness thing, because you just don't eat for sake of it. Whereas we're brought up in a society where like we're, we're told from birth, I was having this conversation with someone else the other day, that um, you need to click, finish your plate, you need to eat everything. Yeah. So like, for example, here in Canada at the moment, portions are massive. So people think they have to eat everything. And I'm always like taking the piss, like taking photos, of, like massive sandwiches and stuff, because it's just funny, like if you're from Europe. And you don't have to eat everything. Like don't feel obliged to. Like I think that's really important for people to understand and like realize to learn when you're full and when enough is enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you have any tips on like then if people are, let's say they've no clue when they're full, like how, how to actually yeah. be more present with their food? Um, so there's a couple of good things with this and some of them I personally work on a bit at the moment anyway. One would be when you're eating, like if, so for example, if you're eating at home, don't do anything else. So don't be on your phone. Like, so don't be like one hand scrolling Instagram, yeah. fucking spooning yogurt into your mouth or whatever. Um, don't watch TV, literally sit, eat, consciously think about what you're doing is one really good way. Um, second way I think about is in terms of um, thinking about portion control. So a really easy way to do this, and I know people talked about this before, is using your fist as an example, because it's a very standardized thing. Um, like a, por- pro- a portion of protein the size of your fist, a portion of carb size of fist, a portion of veg size of your fist would be one way. And another thing I like for people if they're traveling, um, or if they end up in situations where they're going to like, buffet breakfast or whatever. So I went to um, a hotel in Whistler when I went skiing a couple of weeks ago, it was sick. Breakfast is insane, but they had loads of shit food, like donuts and stuff like that, which I didn't really eat for. Um, but I was like, okay, 
the, the rule I always give myself and other people is like, you can have one plate, that's it. So you, like whatever you can get on a plate, you're good to go. So mm -hmm. I'd look like, okay, firstly, I need to get my protein. So it's like, okay, I'll get uh, like two, three poached eggs and I'll get some I'll get egg white omelet. That's half my plate already gone. So then I was like, okay, what else can I get on here? So by the time I get some like, I don't know, some toast and maybe some fruit and some oats, there's not really a lot of room for junk food. And that's a really good suggestion for anyone if you're going to sit, going somewhere like even a party where like you can take your own plate and fill yourself up. Just give yourself the, the limitation for like, I'm allowed one plate, whatever I can get on the plate, it's like I can eat and just make sure you get protein on there first and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly good like recommendation anyway. If like again, these are like guidelines that you know mm. will work for most Principles. people. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you can only do this. Like you can never eat yeah. two plates. Like sometimes you know you can. It's absolutely fine. Um, what like would you have a recommended training split? Or I know earlier you said that you don't actually need to train to lose weight, but let's say this is for someone that's maybe trying to take their physique to kind of the next level, or they've been in the gym a bit already and they're trying to get like in the best shape for summer would there be any training split or frequency like and volume like amount of sets and reps like is is it something that you think this works for most people or is it very individual dependent uh so i the best training split i think for anyone in my opinion is something which has more of a higher frequency approach and i don't like the bro split of doing like training your body part once a week and fucking annihilating it and then seven days later doing it again so for, in my my opinion, I prefer, um, I think a push-pull leg split is best. So, or, or something like an upper-lower training split, but I think personally a push-pull leg split is best. So I would do something like push-pull, rest, legs, rest, and have a rest day either side of the legs. That's probably the best training split I personally ever did. And I give that to a lot of the clients. Um, in terms of how I would set that up, I would have two to three different, sorry, two to three different workouts for, like each push pull leg session so like push a b c and you literally would just rotate through those every uh, three weeks or so and in terms of exercises i recommend probably two to three exercises per body part uh, like three for the bigger ones so say for example chest and then i would do probably two to three sets um but like actual working sets not like i'm warming up with like 10 kilos so i'd maybe do for example if you're going to go in and do uh so for example i did a dumbbell press yesterday I would do if I, I think I did two working sets. So I probably went in and did three warm up sets of doing like, I don't know, five reps on 20 kilos, five reps on 30 kilos, five reps on 40 kilos. First working set might have been 50, for example. Mm. So that's how I would look to approach training. And then probably for the later, like after the first exercise, you probably don't really need to warm up so much, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that people kind of overcomplicate it a bit too much with the training? Uh, so this is the biggest secret that anyone's ever going to know. Uh, ever wanted to if you want if you want to know the truth about this and like this is like fat loss muscle building luminati 101 it doesn't really fucking matter that much the most important thing which is going to get anyone results listening to this is and this is the 95 percent where people can't do it is you turn up and you work really hard if you do those two things you will get some results providing nutrition is in the shit show so for anyone who's doing those big pat on the back like fist pump awesome now if you can get a more optimized approach to that you will accelerate your results exponentially, but you're already ahead of 95% of the people. So well done. And next thing I want you to think about is then just trying to look at, like, again, like we were saying earlier, the macro, the overall template in terms of how you're setting up your training. And then you can start to go into the nuances of like, that like people worry about like, what's the fucking perfect rep scheme? It's like, 
the perfect rep scheme is the one where you actually push yourself harder. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you did uh, an eight set, like you did, I don't know, eight reps of dumbbell press, but you could have done 25, then that eight reps was completely pointless. Like, it, the, the rep range is almost irrelevant. It's how hard you're actually pushing yourself that's a big thing. And I'm saying, secondly to that, which is one of the low hanging fruit that I really address with clients, and this is something people don't understand, is that how about if you could get more results whilst actually not even having to work harder? Because that's what happens when you actually learn to execute exercises correctly and also have your training set up correctly in the right optimal manner, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And do you generally keep clients on, say, a set plan? I know you rotate them a bit, but would you keep them on a set plan for, let's say, 12 weeks or would you do it longer? Because something I get a lot is like I have clients that are three, four weeks in. They're like, when am I? Or even, yeah, they're a month in and they're like, when's my monthly training plan? I'm like, for it to work, this is my view anyway, for it to work, we need to stick to it and progress on these movements and then introduce new ones and then progress on those ones. Otherwise, you're not giving yourself enough time, you know, to actually progress with them. I I agree 100%. However, there's two different ways to look at this. And there's a, mm. here's a really good saying for anyone listening. It's like, some people you need to, sometimes you need to sell people what they want and then give them what they need, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for example, one of the big issues is we're not dealing with robots, we're dealing with people. So we have to realize that they need stimulation in terms of doing mm-hmm. something new, when in reality, we both know that just getting better at what they're probably doing is actually going to make the biggest difference. Um, so what I would generally do is we tend to work on like a, a phased approach where we'll just update things every four weeks. But generally, it will be the same exercises, but we'll probably change maybe the split slightly or change uh, like the density in the workout. So I mean, in terms of maybe the amount of sets, reducing the rest periods, and just change things like that. But one yeah. thing I'm not a big fan of is the worst thing people can do is having um, no actual plan. So they just go into the gym and they just do whatever fucking exercise they like or whatever their favorite Instagram has done that day. And that isn't a good thing to do because what happens is you actually don't master any skill. I mean, it master any skill of exercise or any movement. And what you want to focus on doing is find some exercises that work for you, that you feel like you can feel the muscle you're trying to train working get really good at those and do them a lot and just mm-hmm. keep doing them and improve and make sure your nutrition is correct and then rinse and repeat. And that is really what people should focus on doing rather than chopping and changing and trying, looking for like the magic tricep building exercise, which doesn't necessarily exist, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think the important thing is just finding training that you enjoy as well. Cause again, it comes back to sustainability. Like if you want to sustain it, then you have to enjoy it. So, for some people, yeah. if they only enjoy it for four weeks and want to swap, then like I will do that as well. But for most cases, I'm like, let's stick to this for a bit longer, get a bit stronger and then kind of swap it up. But as you said, yeah, sometimes you just have to kind of give what the clients feel they want rather than what you feel they need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like just ensuring, I know we kind of touched on earlier, but ensuring that at the end of, let's say the end of summer. So, well, firstly, actually, when would be, I meant to ask earlier, when would be like a good time to actually start getting ready for summer? Uh, generally, I recommend most people 16 weeks beforehand is optimal. So yeah. like now, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but obviously it depends when you're looking to like quote unquote peak. Like if you're looking to go on holiday end of August, then obviously you can start later. But the reality is I would always suggest people start earlier because it then makes the process easier for you because it's less of a rush if you're looking to get in peak conditions. So um I think 12 to 16 weeks is a good good amount of time. Can it be done less than that? Depends on your starting position. It depends on your specific goal. 
but reality i would say 12 to 16 weeks is a really really good sweet spot yeah perfect and i guess it depends as well on how much weight you have to lose as i found out last yeah. year when i i thought i had about 10 kilos to lose ended up having 20 kilos to lose to get to the goal i was working towards which was as shredded as possible and it ended up taking eight months rather than four months so it's like be realistic with yourself as well you it know takes I mean? a always like it yeah. always takes longer than you think yeah always yeah so give yourself a bit more time rather than six weeks i'm going to be shredded and ready for mm. summer it's like give yourself a bit more time if you can um so what what would some of the drawbacks be then uh for like or to be in like a super low level of body fat i know like say getting ready for summer it's like it's usually only for as you said a holiday or a short period of time but if someone was to just stay at that level of body fat, like most people, like what would be some of the drawbacks that people mightn't be aware of? Um, so I think, in my opinion, to get the look most people want, probably like 10 to 12% body fat, I don't think you have to suffer, like, not, not, you don't have to suffer that much. Whereas if you were going to go like, I want to be competition shredded, that is like fucking ball ache, take your soul, like it's hard to walk down the street tired towards the end. So there's, there's like, there's like levels. Um, I would say some things you might want to be aware of, like this is, and I don't know if you found this, this is a big thing I think I learned personally. And this is why I would always recommend people when they're looking for someone to help them find someone who's done it a lot themselves before, because the best way people learn is from self-experimentation and from experience. So the first time I lost weight and got really good shape was the fucking hardest because mm -hmm. it's a head game. You're like, this is really hard. I feel really like shit. I feel tired. I feel cranky. I'm being yeah. shitty with people. I wait the world, but the second time you do it, like, oh, your body just seems to like click, you know, what happens and mentally like, okay, it's because I'm just hungry and I'm just dieting, whatever. And you also start to suddenly realize that those days where you actually feel a bit shitty, the next day you end up like dropping tons of body fat and looking sick. You're like, mm -hmm. ah, that's very interesting. So that's a big thing I think people really need to be aware of is in terms of um, learning the psychology in terms of weight loss and realizing that that's a big thing. But I think things to factor in would be trying to manage relationships and those people around you so i'd be like honest with friends family like okay i'm doing xyz this is why uh so like people aren't putting pressure on you to drink or eat pizza or do dumb shit that you don't want to do um and then explain to them i think is very important because having a support network and accountability is really important um next up to that i would say obviously um hunger could can shoot up so some of the things I would do to combat that would be things like drinking sparkling water is really good, increasing green veg, um, the odd diet soda here and there would be some of the things I would look at. And I would also make sure that within your diet, you have enough high quality fats, because one of the reasons most people tend to tank um, and get really hungry is their fats are too low. So that would be something I would make sure they're at least at like a base level for that. Um, and with the fats coincided, one of the reasons people tend to suffer in terms of uh, cognitive performance in terms of how they think with their brain in terms of work and their libido sex drive like tanking mm -hmm. is because their fats are too low so it then affects the, the hormonal profile so again that would be the big thing i'd look at but if you're going to the point where you're looking to get like really really lean as in like sub 10 eight percent um you're gonna end up having to suffer a little bit to get there there's no if buts and maybes, to, like the harder you push down, the harder it gets generally, unless you're very genetically gifted. Um, so I think it's just accepting that's part of the process for a short period of time, uh, embracing it, and then 
just being self-aware about that if that makes sense yeah definitely i think that's pretty good advice man um and yeah with that that you find it a bit easier the second time you do it or after doing it every, times, every time yeah. you do it it gets yeah. easier and easier because you, definitely your body your body knows what's going to happen psychologically you know what happens you're just going to relax in the process yeah and, and as you said i think if you can do that properly um you know uh we'd say summer shred or getting in shape for summer whatever goal it is losing a lot of body fat if you can do that and get yourself to a position afterwards where as you said you're only six or eight weeks away then from getting back in shape like i'm say sticking around like 70 kilos where i was up at 80 so I, i'm up like 10 kilos but it was very very light where i was but i now know i'm only like six to eight weeks away rather than yeah. six to eight months away do you know it's it, it does make a big difference just being able to to find a position where you can sustain well it's like what we said earlier it's like you always want to be six to eight weeks away from being in like decent shape so the problem is if you're in a position where you like no one wants to fucking diet for eight months so like you mm. did the one big diet like i've done the one big diet like you don't want to have to do that and that's why i always like a, a slower and steadier approach like maybe six to eight months if you've got a lot of weight to lose and then after that point you should never really need to do a huge like like a year-long diet again if that makes sense yeah yeah i think if you need to do another six or eight months again after you've lost the weight then something's gone wrong yeah you've 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 fucked up big time and probably gone off and that's one of those things where like and this is really good advice for people who are listening to this is after you get lean don't think oh, i'm gonna get bulk and get massive and just try and add body weight as quickly as possible because i see that time and time again or people are like yeah i've added 10 kilos in 10 weeks I'm like you've added probably nine and a half kilos of body fat yeah like because that's around you can't add muscle mass that quickly so like slow and steady and it comes back to what i said at the beginning of the podcast thinking about if you try and push the body to lose weight or gain weight very quickly, it will never, ever, ever, ever end well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a lot, lot better and safer, I guess, just to go gradual with everything. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, with that as well, what's a rate of weight loss that you think is like manageable or preferable for most people, say per week or per month? Uh, I would suggest for most people 0.5 to, again, it depends on how much mm-hmm. weight they have to lose, but 0.5 to one kilo of body fat a week or body weight a week is is a pretty good stall if you're yeah. from if you're a guy and your body weight from uh, above 85 kilos i'd probably say that's a good a good starting point so then if you're if you're looking say 12 weeks you're looking to lose probably 8 to 12 kilos over that period yeah yeah exact same as where i get most of my clients same for anyway um so what are some things then i'm just interested in like what are some things that you kind of struggle with on your own journey and are there any and that's with your fitness journey and also business journey and life in general but like are there still some of the things that you struggle with on a regular basis uh yeah 100 percent. they're still exactly the same so i think um that's a really really good question so i I would say from a fitness point of view the amount of bullshit information that's put out there i literally just want to fucking bang my head through the wall um and and that comes down to like I think probably more actually from a training aspect. And I put something up on Instagram the other day, taking the piss out of someone, not taking the piss out of someone's wrong. I, I was basically saying like, this is an example of really dumb influencer exercise. If someone's doing that, like they were sitting and the guy messaged me afterwards. I didn't say who it was. It was the like, bicep thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Like, we fucking holding a dumbbell at the side. And I was like, this is the prime example of what the fuck is wrong with the fitness industry because it's like, dumbbell has a handle in the middle for a reason. Mm. Like people see like people in really good shape and they think, oh, I'll do exactly what he does, but people don't realize that those aren't the exercises that these people are doing to build the physique. 
it's the same argument with people who are promoting vegan diets who are jacked it's like 95 percent of those people got who got there didn't build a physique doing that they were probably like competing using anabolic steroids eating tons of steak protein all the other stuff and then like a couple of years later like oh yeah i'm vegan now and yeah, then promoting yeah. trying to sell vegan diets to get in shape and it's like this is bullshit um that's one big frustration and the other thing is again like this is a training side of things so that's why i'm always and i'll always be like a student of this and i love training so for example one of the reasons i'm staying longer in toronto at the moment is because i managed to hook up with a guy called eric seifert who's probably the most knowledgeable person i've ever met about training that probably no one has ever heard of and this guy taught all the best trainers in the world who have now basically regurgitated some of this information but really badly and the stuff I, I trained with him, the first time I trained with him for 90 minutes, I was literally like, holy shit. Like, and I've implemented some of the stuff every workout since. And like my shot, my delts of like, that I've struggled with were pumped for like three hours from doing like four sets, but just changing really small things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why the fuck is no one talking about? It? No one knows all this stuff. So for me, that's why I'll always be a student of, of this. And I love learning and trying to level up and then share the knowledge that I can acquire and help other people. Because I look back at to when I was like 18 doing all the classic gym shit of just trying to lift as much as I could. And I was a strong kid and I didn't think I needed help from anyone else. Um, and I wish I knew what I knew now, but then uh, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So that's why I'm almost on a mission to keep learning and be very open-minded where I think anyone listening to this, be open to different people's opinions and perspectives but also I would try and see through the, the smoke and mirrors and the bullshit that um, the fitness and the supplement industry will try and sell you. So uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, I think. Yeah. That's, sure. that, that, that's from the, the fitness side of things. I think from the, the personal development and business side of things, I think um, anyone listening, again, it's a similar aspect of just trying to focus on being better than you were yesterday and realizing that, as you progress, you have to, you're constantly going to have challenges and problems and they'll probably get bigger and more difficult to deal with. But you just need to think about how you can become the person who can then achieve the end goal that you're looking to achieve. Almost similar, I was talking about in terms of if anyone who wants to get in sick shape for the summer, you want to focus on creating the right daily habits of a person who's going to be walking down the beach in Marvera with a six pack. You want to be thinking about the right daily habits of someone who's 35 years old, really successful, helps loads of people. How would that person conduct themselves? How would they help people? How would they interact with the general public? How would they look to learn? How would they run their life? When you start to think like about the process rather than the prize, you'll eventually get to the prize. Yeah, absolutely. You're almost like shaping yourself into the person you want to become. Yeah. Would there be some people that stick out to, or stand out to you as people you've kind of maybe took influence or inspiration from? you're like okay i kind of want to be in a few years or or maybe you have already become similar to them like I um, now you want to be them but you're like okay i like the way that they do things and i i take aspects from different people so when i used to work and i used to manage a branch of a real estate agents from 21 to 28 29 sure my age and um two people i really looked to at the time were uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone, very different people, but uh, mm. Gary Vaynerchuk is basically like um, one of the OGs of social media and talks about like value, helping people, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I really adopted his approach and providing information, content, and just trying to like document what I do. And then Grant Cardone is more of a sales business person, but his big thing is 10X. So it's like, if you want to 
I don't know, say you want to build a fitness business, it's like just 10x the amount of actions you're doing, 10x the amount of fucking transformations you post, 10x the amount of value content you provide. Like that's essentially what you do to try and grow. The more like action you take, the more reaction you'll get from the world. So that's those would be two like bigger names I'd look at. Um, a good friend of mine, Frank Den Blankens, has given me a lot of guidance over the last few years who I met, um, which is actually a really interesting story. So, and this is almost some weird law of attraction shit. So I, I heard about this guy on a podcast, uh, Craig Valentine's podcast, and it's um, Frank Den, Frank from the big Frank from Netherlands with twenty thousand online clients. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I was like yeah. googling him, all this stuff, and I was like. I can't find, I don't know who this is. So I was like, just left it. Uh, I ended up going to like a, a fitness event in Florida. I paid quite a lot to go to at a time. I was, it was a lot of money for me. And I was like, I'm sure it'll pay off. Uh, ended up, Frank was there. And I was like, holy shit. Um, so we ended up chatting a bit. I ended up speaking to him at the airport. And we ended up, we were both going to Nashville for another event. I ended up training with him. And then he ended up becoming one of my best friends. And he's had a huge amount of influence on my career and also on everything I do. So that is an example in terms of like law of attraction also sometimes taking risks in terms of putting yourself in new environments and the value of networks and stuff like that. Because um, I've had a few difficult events at the start of this year. And two things I'd always suggest people think about is like the most valuable thing you have in your life that no one can ever take away from you is you. And that's the skills you have, who you are as a person, your reputation and the network of who you are. Like if everything was stripped away from me tomorrow, like my Instagram account got disabled for a few weeks and there's a lot of shit like that. Um, if everything got stripped away from me tomorrow, I would still have the experience I do. I'd still have the knowledge that I do and the skill sets. And I'd still have a network of connections and friends and people to help me with stuff. And those are skills that no one can take away from you. So that would be yeah. some advice I'd, I'd finish up with for anyone. Absolutely. Um, and I just have two quick questions. So. Two. Are there any, well, three actually. So are there any moments in your life that you feel like kind of define the success you've achieved today? Like, is there any moment that you're like, okay, that's, that's where I started actually with say 10 X and or whatever it might be. That's a big, that's a big one. Uh, there's two. So one was, I, I used to run like an eight week challenge for, uh, transformations, which we, I had, I think I suddenly had like 260 people sign up really quickly. Um, that was maybe three, four years ago. Mm. And I was like, do you know what? I might be onto something here. Like, yeah. um, and the second one was the day I left my full-time job in real estate. And I actually filmed it. It's on my IGTV somewhere. I just did like a fucking random selfie video because I was just like, I just wanted to film something. And it's still on there. I look back and I cringe at it now. But that that for me was like, you fucking burnt the bridge and i think now the third big life change for that is moving to dubai in january i was like by doing this you you have to go fucking supersonic and you have to become the best in the world by like taking this move because this is your like the the expression of putting it all on the line and basically like i, I basically had to break myself to remake myself like there, there's no like setting for small time if you want to if you want to go for a goal in life, you have to go fucking all in. And I jumped in with both feet, head first, whatever. And uh, yeah, we'll sort of roll the dice and see what happens. Solid. Um, and then this is purely a selfish, selfish question, but I'm like really interested to know, like, um, so you're someone with like a large following, like an influence on social medias. 
And I'm just wondering, like, where, like, do you have multiple sources of income or would the coaching be like your main source of income? Like, I'm not looking for figures or anything. I'm just that's interested right. to know. Um, so, yeah, that's a really, really good question. So I have um, a few different things. So coaching is the main one. And I also have another business in Mexico, which is like a, a sales center, essentially, uh, like a call center. And then I also have uh, some real estate and I do quite a lot in crypto. Um, so I do crypto is a difficult one or not a difficult one. Crypto is the greatest investment and, and, and the biggest opportunity and will make more generational wealth than anything in the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the one thing I would say is you have to have enough money to put into it to make it worthwhile. So putting 50 quid into Bitcoin is not going to do anything. And I'd also say, uh, it's incredibly volatile. So you have to have the minerals to weather that and the pain tolerance and then i would also say that um it can become a very big time drag if you're busy and it can become a distraction where if you're running other businesses and stuff you can spend all day looking at fucking crypto news and prices or whatever so for me i just have changed i I realized i was wasting a lot of time like pissing around crypto last year so all I do now is I will just buy crypto and hold it long term um, with spare money I have. Uh, if I have spare money at the time, and I will do with what. So I've, I've, like a big, this is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, so please do not listen to this. Um, I uh, really like the crypto coin Solana, so I have a lot of that, and I will buy that and just hold it. And there's also something called uh, staking, which is essentially where you get mm. interest on on the crypto coins. So I think on Solana, I'm getting 10% interest. Look how much your interest your bank gives you, probably like 0.1%. And um, the other thing I do, there's another coin I'm actually staking, I'm getting like 80% interest on, which is pretty good. Um, so those are generally my other sort of things I have going on. And then again, something that's interesting, I've had to learn to say no to more things is the, the more you progress in life, the more opportunities you have, and the more you have to learn to say no to stuff. Because I've been guilty of saying yes to too many things before. Because like I, I can't remember the thing is a film where it's like yes man or it's like just say yes yeah. to everything and then like, like life will be awesome yeah because like you quickly realise that there's too much you can't handle that um, so and I was listening to I had a big decision I got offered a, an opportunity for some software fitness thing and um, I was deliberating on it and I was listening to another podcast and the guy on it said basically like when it comes to like business decisions and stuff like that, if it's not hell yes, then it's got to be a no. I was yeah. like, that's so fucking true. Cause like, if I'm even, un- if I'm uncertain, then it has to be a no. And I took advice from that. And that's again, why I think one of the big take on points for people like listening to this is be really aware of the information you're taking in because um, like, like that, for example, is really good advice I took from a podcast I listened to. So be aware of the advice you're listening, who you're listening to and the people you surround yourself with. And again, not financial advice, but I would take financial advice from someone who isn't in the position that I don't want to be in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to be taking financial advice from your best friend who's not working and unemployed and yeah, has yeah. no money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or like, here's a really good way to think, like, and I heard this on another podcast, was like, don't take financial advice from your parents if they don't have as much money as you want to have. Mm. Like, money isn't the driving factor for me. Like, I, my only ambition in life well my main ambition in life was to be able to do what i want when i want who i want which i now have the ability to do 
so for now it's just to not fuck it up and just not let the roller coaster keep running and then enjoy it basically yeah yeah and also i think like as you climb the ladder and make more money you have to become a bit smarter with it so yeah 100 um so then just the last question it's just one i ask at the end of all my podcasts is it is a bit of a deep one but what is happiness to you oh if i'm entirely honest i don't know i'm and someone i just want to get off emotion talk about it but um someone actually said to me a while ago you will never find happiness and that's one of the things i don't know what the answer is to but if and i actually think that's one of the hardest questions in life because one of the things i think we do as human beings is we try and climb the mountain and then we get to the top of the mountain and we're like this is it not that i'm at the top of the mountain but then mm-hmm. or then we're like we kind of get to this fucking bigger mountain now yeah. and you just create new problems for yourself and you just create yourself being really busy and then the world passes you by and like holy shit i've just like lost another not lost i've done there's another year gone uh, even though there's awesome experiences so i think um a lot of that comes down to self-awareness and then understanding what your true values are and i think for me that's where i have suddenly realized that what really makes me happy is other people being happy and then like improving other people's lives which is why that's my main goal and mission rather than status or whatever because i don't like ultimately social media and all this other stuff is bullshit like having followers on instagram or whatever won't make you happy and like and there's also statistically been proven i think it's when you go over seventy-five thousand pounds a year like your happiness doesn't actually necessarily increase much and i was actually thinking about this the other day i was like when was the happiest i was in my life and partly was actually looking back at photos and maybe like 2018 when i was starting to leave my come to the end of my real estate career when I had some money from coaching come in, I had the real estate thing. There's no real pressure on me. I was just sort of fucking around. Uh, I was like, life was pretty good in a lot of respects. So I didn't really have big things to worry about. Um, so there's some food for thought for people. But I think that's one of the life's hardest questions is uh, what is happiness to you and trying to find out. I don't know if that's probably the weirdest response you've had to that. I've had a lot of different responses. Some of them are just like one words or one liner, and then some of them are like five, 10 minutes. So that's why I like I, asking I, it. I would say for anyone who gives one line to that, that they haven't really discovered who they are yet. Because hmm. I, I don't think anyone deep enough ever, about it. Yeah, I don't think anyone should ever give one a one line answer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, nice pleasure. And where can people find you then? I'm sure they can just search your name, Charlie Johnson. Uh, yeah, so if you look on Instagram, uh, Charlie Johnson Fitness, uh, YouTube, Charlie Johnson Fitness. I've got tons of content, both of those. And also my podcast is called The Shredder Show. If you just type in www.shreddershow.com, uh, we've got about 250 episodes on there, maybe more of like guests from all over the world, me talking on educational subjects, uh, loads of other stuff. And then also if anyone wants a free copy of my uh, latest abs training course, if you type in www.freeabsguide.com, you can get a copy of that. Cool. Thanks so much.